Hello again and welcome to another episode. Today I'm going to be talking about the next Nolan movie, which is Oppenheimer, coming out next year. I'm going to be briefly discussing some of the things we've learnt about that and what I think we might uh, be able to expect from that. But first, just a couple of um, housekeeping things. Uh, in the last episode, I was talking about a uh, announcement that the Bond producers were going to make about 5th of October. And of course, like I said in the episode... I had a feeling something big might be said, but I also had a feeling that it was going to go absolutely nowhere. Uh, the example I gave was a book signing or something. It turned out to be a concert to celebrate Bond's 60th anniversary with some of the old uh, singers of the Bond songs and that sort of thing there, but not as big as of an announcement as I thought at all. I thought it was going to be the next Bond that was announced, so I'm sorry if I misled anyone in any way. But, um, but, but I had a feeling it might be something big. I also had a feeling it might not be, and then it turned out to be right, right but wrong. And uh, and also I made a little mistake in that uh, next Bond film episode where I was talking about uh, who could do the next song. And I mentioned the guy who sung the uh, You Know My Name song from Casino Royale. And I said Chris Corbould. Chris Corbould is a great special effects and stunt coordinator He's um, worked on many Bond films, including GoldenEye. I'm pretty sure he worked on Casino Royale, worked on a lot of the Nolan films. And uh, so I said Chris Corbett, probably because I was thinking about Bond and it's just in the back of my head. What I meant was Chris Cornell. He's the man who sung that song. So again, sorry, that was a little mistake there. And uh, and just one other non-Bond related thing I want to mention while I'm doing a bit of tying up loose ends from older episodes. I did one uh maybe a year or so ago now where i was talking about uh ross t davis returning to doctor who and in that episode um i was talking about my excitement for because it was my era of loving the show back when russell worked on it with david Tennant as the doctor and i was talking about my excitement for that and since then it's of course been announced that david Tennant is actually going to return to doctor who for the 60th anniversary and it was the final episode of the previous Doctor, Jodie Whittaker, on the 23rd of October. And, of course, she regenerated straight into David Tennant, which has blown a lot of Whovians' minds, which are what they call the fans. And I don't know if anyone listening to this is a Whovian, in which case they'll probably be just as excited as me. And uh, and it's just terrific. It's got the, uh, the best, probably, writer of the show uh, with the best actor in the part. So it's uh, it's a lot to look forward to there. And of course, we've got a glimpse of the actual proper new Doctor, Shuti Gatwa. And, uh, and he looks great. He was given like one line in a trailer, having not officially appeared once. And in one line, you know, almost completely sold his Doctor. So, um, you know, it is a bit early to, you know, say, oh, he's so good. But with Russell casting him, uh, he must have had a good reason for that. And I think he'll probably be brilliant. And I know for a fact that David Tennant will be brilliant. He's one of the greatest actors this country has ever produced. And um, and yeah, I'm very excited to see him back. And I just wanted to mention that because it sort of ties into what I was saying previously. And it sort of ties off that bow. Because it's a bit weird to talk about one thing and not the other thing. Especially when this is, in a way, bigger news. It's very weird seeing Doctor Who when they change uh, actors, they have regeneration. Normally the clothes don't go with him, but he turned up in a whole new costume. So there's a lot of things about whether it's official 
or you know whether it's a trick in the story or, or whatever but um he's technically being called the 14th doctor which makes david Tennant the first actor to play that part twice in two separate uh performances even though i'm sure a lot of his mannerisms and everything that made his doctor his doctor will remain the same but um we've got to wait till next year to find out how that's going to go november 2023 to celebrate the 60th anniversary of the show is going to be free specials why they didn't stretch those free specials out over the anniversary year uh and end it with cliffhangers to keep you on your edge uh, or, or on the edge I, I don't really know why they didn't do that but it is exciting it's a lot to look forward to and i can't really wait a whole year for it right so with that bit said i'm now going to get on to the actual uh crux of this episode talking about the next nolan movie so the next nolan movie is going to be called oppenheimer it's his first proper true story dunkirk was the event was a true story but the story itself was fictional uh involving mainly uh fictional characters but this is his first proper true story biopic of a real life person that real life person being robert j oppenheimer the man who invented uh nuclear weapons and was part of the manhattan project and had a lot to do with the creation of these weapons which still to this day are a massive threat to uh to all life on earth especially um in these days at the risk of uh depressing anyone uh, but he couldn't really, Nolan, have found a more timely time to make this film. It it really is on a lot of people's minds at the moment. And uh, and this man, this real-life man, Robert J. Offerheimer, a uh, great historical figure, uh, one of the greatest scientists, but really he has a lot to answer for. And, uh, and Nolan's films usually value scientific people usually value intelligence but i think it will still be a critical film because this man i don't know a huge amount about him but i'm sure he was a lovely guy but with what he's given the world whether he intended to or not he really does have a lot to answer for in this day and age and that part will be played by the brilliant killian murphy which is fantastic for many reasons first of which he looks exactly like him. He's almost a dead ringer for the real life man. Uh, second reason, Killian Murphy is a brilliant actor. Just watch Peaky Blinders or anything like that. It's absolutely superb. He's been in five Nolan movies now. And Nolan uh, joked in an interview with a bag over his head in three of them. So apparently that's what Killian Murphy says when he calls him up and asks him if he wants to do a new movie. He says, do I have to wear a bag over my head? So, so the poor bloke is not only not going to have a bag over his head in this film, he's also the main character because those five other parts have been very much supporting roles. You could argue that Inception is secretly about Killian's character, but he's not the focus of the story of DiCaprio's character is. Um, but he's finally going to be in a main role in a Nolan movie, which I think he's deserved it because over the years, he's basically become Nolan's most prolific collaborator. So he definitely deserves that. Uh, elsewhere in the class, we've got Emily Blunt. And I've been saying for years that Emily Blunt should be in a Nolan film. Something about her just really suits a Nolan film. Her sort of 
brilliant dramatic acting, her capacity for um, portraying clever, self-possessed characters uh, while also having a sense of fun. It's just, I don't know, she just really suits uh, a Nolan movie. I said years ago that she should have played Anne Hathaway's role in Interstellar. Not saying there was anything wrong with Anne Hathaway, Anne Hathaway's character. I just believe she was supposed to be Michael Caine's daughter. And I don't 100% buy Anne Hathaway as Michael Caine's daughter. Where Emily Blunt, I would definitely buy her as his daughter. Um, Michael Caine, will he be in the movie? Didn't plan to talk about that, but I've just reminded myself of it. Because he, I talk about prolific Nolan collaborators, Michael Caine is probably the most prolific collaborator. He's getting on a bit now, bless him. And uh, and Nolan always seems to find a way to get him in, you know, over the uh, voiceover of the Spitfire pilot you never see in Dunkirk and that one scene he was in in Tenet. So he'll probably get Michael Caine in this film somewhere, even if it is only a voice or a two-minute cameo, he'll be in it somewhere. Elsewhere, he's got a lot of... Uh, new people like Rob Downey Jr. is going to be in this film, Florence Pugh, I believe Rami Malek's going to be in it, um, Matt Damon returning to a Nolan film for the first time since Interstellar, he was brilliant in Interstellar, I loved him there. He was also interestingly, uh, well interesting to me, uh, supposed to play Harvey Dent in The Dark Knight, but I think some sort of scheduling thing or something got in the way, and of course Aaron Eckhart ended up doing a brilliant job in that role but I do weirdly think that I could really see Matt Damon playing that part he has the charisma to um to do Harvey and he has these sort of acting chops to do the switch to uh to Two-Face and um and if they ever bring that character back with Ben Affleck if he's still doing it or something Matt Damon should definitely do that but in the meantime Matt Damon's going to be in another Nolan film, which is great. He was brilliant last time he worked with Nolan. And he you can tell through his filmography, he loves working with these big name directors like uh, Steven Soderbergh and people like that. He just he's like, oh, it's one one of their films. Yeah, I'll do it definitely. And, uh, and of course it's great to see Rob Downey Jr. in a big film again and Florence Pugh. Uh, apparently a lot of these big name actors like Blunt and Downey Jr. have taken quite sizable pay cuts to what they're used to. They've <laughs> they've done it for about I, I believe it's around four million, where they'd usually be expected to work for around ten. Which yeah, it's still a bloody lot of money, but it does show how much these actors value being in a Nolan film because they're willing to take that pay cut just for the um, privilege of being in a Nolan film. Speaking about money. The film is reported to have a budget of around $100 million from Universal. And there is a bit of a story there. See, Nolan has worked with Warner Brothers for years and years, produced a lot of his most famous films of them, like the Dark Knight films and Inception. Uh, but he had a falling out with Warner Brothers over the way they released Tenet and the way uh, that they utilised their streaming service during the pandemic. He uh, He was quoted as saying something along the lines of, uh, people who worked for Warner Brothers went to bed thinking they worked for the greatest film studio and woke up to realise they actually work for the worst streaming service, which is very harsh. And apparently he um, decided he didn't want to work with Warner Brothers anymore. After that, I would have thought it might be the other way around. But, you know, is what it is. Either way, communications have broken down between them. And then every studio is vying to make... 
Nolan's next film because he's basically the greatest director working today and all these studios know it. he had very sizable offers from Apple TV Plus, all of these sorts. But Universal in the end got him, which is actually quite sweet because I believe the head of Universal or someone uh, who works at Universal was trying to get him years ago. And of course he was with Warner Brothers, but now he's gone to the person who actually put the work in and has wanted him for the longest time. And Universal has a bit of a track record at the moment for working with great directors and giving them their creative freedom, directors like Jordan Peele and uh, M. Night Shyamalan, and, uh, and actually giving these directors big budgets on original films and room to work. So it is a studio that really suits Nolan um, and the way he likes to work. He had a lot of conditions for working with them the most interesting of which i think is this release window where i think it's about three weeks either side they're not allowed to release another film because of course then they'd be in competition with his film but i don't know the reason why i say this is interesting it made me think why don't they do this all of the time surely it's a bit stupid to be in competition with your own film of course it's not a stupid thing for Nolan to ask for it's a very good thing to ask for but why don't they do it anyway all of the time it does make you wonder uh, there are more conditions so of course you can look into that I'm sure is uh, the budget was part of it and stuff like that it is a bit less than usual I think Tenet was made for about 250 million but I would argue you don't really need that much money to make a film and where this is a drama and uh, and a lot more on the ground uh, than Tenet was, it's um, it can clearly be made for a bit less. And finally, just to talk about the other crew rounding out the film, I'm sure other Nolan collaborators like his longtime cinematographer Hoyt Van Hoymer and people like that will return. But also, I think most interestingly is the music. The film will be scored by Ludwig Gordson instead of Nolan's usual. Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer composed right the way from Batman Begins up to Dunkirk for Nolan. And of course on Tenet, uh, he was actually asked by Nolan to work on Tenet, but he wanted to do Dune instead, which in a way makes sense because he grew up with Dune as a novel. He loved it. And as he was a kid, he was thinking of how he would do it, how he would score Dune. So it's something he's wanted to do for a long time. So it's fair enough. Um, how much Nolan took this to heart isn't really known, but he's not. <laughs> he's, you know, Hans Zimmer was busy on Tenet. It's not known if he's busy now, but Nolan's just gone straight to Ludwig. So you would have thought they've developed a working relationship there on Tenet. He's happy with his work on that he did on Tenet. So he's just gone straight to Ludwig and just bypassed Hans Zimmer. So there is this question of will Hans Zimmer ever score another Nolan film? Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Apparently, Nolan did work him quite hard on Dunkirk, and and I I I don't know how much also Hans Zimmer appreciated that. So there might be a bit of friction there. But I think if the chance ever arose in the future, they would work together again. Uh, Hans Zimmer is the greatest composer, and Nolan would know that. Nolan is the greatest director, and Hans Zimmer would know that. So of course, if they you know if they get that opening again. Uh, I'd, I'd see no reason why they won't work together again, despite whatever differences might have been formed in recent years. Because the fact of the matter is, they work very well together and they've achieved a lot of success off of each other. So, um, so that is what it is. However, 
does Hansima really need it? He's got a lot going on his, on his own. He's just done Top Gun this year. He's got uh, June Part 2. So he's got a lot of stuff going on for him. Uh, and Ludwig is brilliant in his own right. So, uh, you know, give him 20 years and he will be on the same level as Hans Zimmer or better. You know, he, he's already halfway there and he's got there a lot quicker, really. So, um, so yeah, he, he'll have a great uh, working relationship with him. And I can't wait to see what's going on. There's a very limited trailer for Oppenheim that's been released. And the way the soundscape works in that is just brilliant. It's very uh, investing and engroping and in, engrossing, sorry, and slightly terrifying. So, um, so is, I, I think there's a, there's something great coming up there. And, uh, but yeah, it sounds like a very Nolan-esque, uh, film is a, a bit of a sort of war vibe like Dunkirk, but I think it's going to be a lot more of a serious drama. It's said that, uh, Nolan made a Howard Hughes film back in the day, uh, but put it away when he realized that Scorsese was making The Aviator about the same man. And he says it's one of the best films he's never made you know he's he would have loved to do that so obviously he's had some kind of bent uh to do a sort of biopic serious drama of a real life person uh for many years and this is now his chance so even though it might not seem you know as a sort of not action sci-fi or anything like that it might not seem very nolan-y but i think this is very much in his wheelhouse and uh and it's his way of trying something new without straying too far from what he knows and what people expect from him. So I, I think it's going to be an absolutely fantastic film uh, coming out on the same day as uh, Margot Robbie's Barbie, which of course features all of the Hollywood actors who aren't in Oppenheimer. Uh, because it seems these days, instead of having one bankable star like Tom Cruise, um, who only sort of does a Top Gun earlier this year or a Mission Impossible every now and again but you can only really get away with doing that with Tom Cruise it used to be you'd have one star in a film and that's what would bring people to it and that's not really seeming to work anymore so it seems like studios answer to that is to hire all of the stars at once so basically any famous person you can think of who isn't in Oppenheimer is probably in Barbie and it's going to be one of the weirdest double bills ever but to be quite honest with you even though barbie does look very interesting and the cast for that is amazing i have always been a nolan fan and a nolan film coming out is always the film event of the year for me so that's the one i'll be turning up to on opening night and barbie will probably be the next day just for fun but um, but yeah very much looking forward to the next nolan film hope you are and yeah see you in the next one thank you for listening